The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. 234 wildfires have prompted the BC government to declare a province wide state of emergency to protect the public. At last check, currently about 550 fires burning across BC. To bring us the latest, we welcome in BC Wildfire Service Chief Fire Information Officer Kevin Skrepnik. Kevin, thanks for joining us and taking time out of what I'm sure is a busy day. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So I guess, uh, you know, we just talked to a weather expert, our weather expert, and we're talking about how long uh, we'll be engulfed in smoke here in Alberta, and it's bad. I I can only imagine what BC is like. Um, You know, and the bottom line is those fires need to be put out. So you've got 550 fires burning. Uh, Can you give us an update on how well you're doing with extinguishing those? Well, yeah, certainly very busy right across the province right now. And what's been pretty unique about this season, obviously, is just the sheer number of fires, like you said. We're, we're, we're well north of 550 uh, active fires right now, uh, but also just, just how widespread it is. Um, you know, we've had busy seasons in the past, but they're generally concentrated on, on a few particular regions at a time. Uh, what we're seeing right now is really from one corner of the province to the other, uh, very active fires uh, right across the board. So. They are definitely creating a lot of smoke. So, uh, yeah, like you said, certainly uh, here I'm speaking to you from Kamloops today, our uh, our interior valley bottoms for a few days now have been uh, really socked in with smoke, and, and a lot of that is drifting uh, into Alberta as well. So, you know, that smoke's definitely a concern from an air quality perspective, but also for us, uh, you know, in terms of responding to fires, it's a challenge because it also makes detecting new fires fairly difficult mm-hmm. when uh, visibility is just so poor. Kevin, where are the big ones, the ones that you're, that are, that you're really concerned about right now, number one? And how, do you have any idea how, how these were started? Was it man man cause? Was it lightning cause combination? Yeah, the, yeah, the, the vast majority of them uh, were the result of lightning. Lightning. So, put it in perspective. So we've got 558 burning right now. And I mean, that number fluctuates minute by minute. Uh, 473 of those were the result of lightning. So wow. um, yeah, that's definitely been the real driving factor. So I think that's actually a, a bit of a good news story, quite frankly, that we haven't seen more human caused fires. I think folks are getting the message. Um, in terms of the area of most concern, uh, the, the central part of the province, uh, you know, the Caribou region, the Bulkley Nachaco region, um, we've got dozens of fires burning in that area. Uh, a number of them have reached some pretty considerable sizes. Um, I'd say if I had to identify one, um, the uh, the biggest fire in the province right now is called the Shovel Lake Fire. Uh, it is um, kind of in the corridor between Smithers and Prince George along Highway 16 there. Uh, about 50,000 hectares in size, so uh, biggest fire in the province right now, and then certainly one of the ones causing the most concern. But um, yeah, having said that, we've got uh, we've got a major interface fire in the northwest as well near a small community called Telegraph Creek. That community's uh, been evacuated for more than a week now. Um, and then you know we'll see different fires in the southeast and the East Kootenays as well near uh, near Cranbrook too. So again, quite wide widespread, and uh, that's definitely. Uh, posing itself as a challenge. Uh, Kevin, declaring the state of emergency just allows you to access resources that you might not otherwise have access to. Uh, so what are those resources that you're in need of? Well, I mean, to, to, to be frank, from a wildfire perspective, um, the state of emergency doesn't change a whole lot around our operations. Uh, we already have pretty ready access to resources elsewhere in Canada, internationally, from the, from the contract community. Um, what that state of emergency does more so for the province as a whole is uh, opens up some extra extra powers that they normally wouldn't have uh, in terms of closing areas off, in terms of evacuations. Um, they can go as far as uh, 
fixing the price of gasoline in areas, things like that. Um, it does also uh, just streamline a lot of the coordination in terms of moving personnel from one area to another uh, outside of the wildfire service sphere. So RCMP, municipal fire, municipal fire departments, I should say, things like that. That becomes a lot more fluid once we're into that uh, state of emergency. And, you know, it's, it's probably telling that... Um, you know, this is the second year in a row we've had to declare a provincial state of emergency uh, due to wildfire activity. So definitely been, been two uh, very challenging summers for us. And what about the military? I think there's been, uh, what, a couple hundred um, boots on the ground called in? Yeah, that's correct. So um, we have requested, uh, and federal government is providing uh, up to 200 uh, uh, military folks, I think actually a lion's share of them are to be coming from Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the plan right now, so we, we use those, uh, we use the military folks, not so much as the first responders going out to fires, but um, typically kind of on the tail end. So once we've gotten fires relatively contained, we can have the military folks come in just because they're not going to be trained or as, or as well equipped as our folks to kind of do the mop-up work, uh, making sure the fire stays contained, working their way in, securing that perimeter, making sure it doesn't flare up again, uh, retrieving equipment, things like that. So um, definitely important work, and it frees up our folks to move on to, mm-hmm. uh, to other fires. Um, and then also aircraft from the military as well. So we're looking to bring in some heavy lift uh, helicopters and airplanes, um, not to do the firefighting, but to move people and equipment around the province. Picks and shovels, that's how you put out a forest <laughs> fire. Uh, I have to ask, uh, before we let you go, um, you mentioned two years in a row you've had some uh, wild seasons there. Uh, is there conversation about looking ahead to next season and any preventative measures? Uh, I don't know what, you know, I'm not as familiar as a could be for this conversation with the areas we're talking about, but fire breaks or, uh, you know, that sort of thing? Well, we had, uh, I mean, obviously 2017 was a really uh, significant season for us. Um, By a lot of measures, the worst season we've ever had. If you were to look at the amount of area burned, uh, how many people were displaced, how much money was spent. So there was a pretty comprehensive report done uh, out of that season uh, that that was uh, released uh, this past May. Uh, It it has over 100 recommendations. Uh, There is definitely stuff in there around fuel management, fuel breaks, things like that. Um, A lot of them, though, uh, a lot of the recommendations are pretty long-term things. So it's uh, stuff that's already progress is happening on a lot of fronts, but uh, definitely going to be a uh, you know a long-term thing in terms of uh, tackling that, just given the, the sheer size of the issue. Kevin, we know a lot of uh, folks from Alberta um, like to head into BC this time of year for, vaca- for vacations, that sort of thing. Uh, any suggestions on where to go for info on the latest uh, fire developments and, and maybe what areas are being impacted more than others? Yeah, certainly, and I think that's that's an important message for folks to get. You know, uh, there, you know, we've definitely got active fires, but uh, as things stand right now, uh, you know, the province is relatively, uh, you know, in many areas unaffected. Um, not a lot of highway closures, not a lot of large backcountry closures, things like that. So we definitely don't want people uh, kind of not uh, visiting the uh, the province on uh, on account of the fire activity. Um, having said that, though, one really important thing for visitors to be aware of, uh, especially if they're coming here for recreational purposes, we do have a campfire ban in effect uh, essentially for almost the entire province uh, the uh, kind of far northeast uh, Dawson Creek uh, Fort St. John and north of there is exempt right now but everywhere else we do have that ban in effect um, the best source of information for folks uh, certainly drivebc.ca is a, is a website run by the Ministry of Transportation here lots of real-time info around highway closures things like that they've got really nice map and web cameras people can take a look at and then in terms of fire activity uh, bcwildfire.ca 
is the uh, Wildfire Services website, and we've got an interactive map on there as well with not only where the fires are, but where the evacuation alerts and orders are in place as well. Well, we wish you the best of luck with this. I know it's a massive undertaking to put all those fires out, but uh, best of luck, and, uh, you know, if you keep sending us smoke, we're going to start sending you oil, just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) Much appreciated. (laughs) Please let us send you oil, Kevin. (laughs) Thanks, Kevin. Take it easy now. All right, Kevin Skrepnik, who is the uh, BC Wildfire Service (laughs) Chief Fire Information Officer. We'll even buy some more of the wine. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Do you remember that? Doesn't that seem like Forever so long ago, ago yeah. Huh. Hmm. <laughs> we are like a married couple, honest to God. Every time Carol and I make the same noise together, like, we oh. look at one another. Now it's starting here. Starting? <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. So, again, 242 on the 630 Chad Afternoon News. 558 fires burning in B.C. The reason for, a big part of the reason for all that smoke that's across uh, Alberta today. Jesse saying it's going to stick around probably into Thursday, maybe Friday, depending on a shift in uh, the winds, that sort of thing. Yes, there's some big events that start this weekend that take place this weekend, so we'll all be keeping an eye on and of course you'll get the very latest information right here on 630 Chad. The hump day edition of the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News. Jed waiting patiently this afternoon out and about across the province. Hey, Jed. Hey, goodies. How are you? Good. What's going on? Oh, uh, Lloyd, Saskatchewan, Lloyd, Alberta. I just came out of there about two hours ago. Yeah. She's black. Like, they got the street lights on. Everybody's got their lights on. I got a couple pictures. It, it's amazing. Really? It's how black it is there. And when you get down about uh, Vermilion, Vigorville, it starts to lighten up. Like, right here, right here now, I just turned on the 144th Ave. It's light. But there, it's black. Wow. I couldn't yeah, believe it. Was, Driving to work this morning, so I, what, 10 after 10, 10.20-ish, coming to work yep. today, and the street lights were on. Yeah. Well, I, was freaky. Talking, I was talking to Bruce at uh, 20 to 6 this morning. It was black. Yeah. It right up to about uh, Vigorville, and it was like you were going through just a black zone. Mm-hmm. There was nothing. Well, keep us updated on what you see, okay, Jed? Oh, I'm home now, going for a brewski, Andrew. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> what, God, what are you asking, saying him? What about going for a brewski, Jay? Come on. Well, you're more of a Sailor oh, Jerry sorry, kind Jay? of gal. Yeah, no, yeah. you're a Sailor hey. Jerry guy. No, late at night I am. Earlier in the day. I'll have a beer anytime. All right. Have one for both okay, of us, Jen. Okay, now, guys. Don't fight. Don't fight. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to you Take later. Care. Okay, bye-bye. Got this text. And, unicorn. Uh, I was actually going to ask... Oh, we forgot to yell out unicorn yesterday. I was going to uh, ask our... Um, forestry guy from BC, mm. but uh, he was very tight on his time. But listen to this text. I know there. I know that there is uh, much fuel for the fires because of fire management practices. Wouldn't it be better if we just allowed these fires, honestly, to just burn that fuel off? This way, he, in years to come, we won't have such significant fires because the fuels will have already burned off. It seems to be the only possible recourse to prevent the fires in the future. Maybe it's time for nature to take its course. That from Gamer Brian. Uh, the Alberta Forest. Uh, service. I don't know if they're still called that, but we had somebody on the show talking about Alberta's uh, forest fires, and he said exactly that, that their practices in the past have been so good that there's so much ready fuel uh, to burn in forest fires, and that maybe controlled burns or, or letting nature take its course is the right well, way and to I, go. Well, it, growing up in northern Ontario, I know they just usually let nature take its course unless it was impacting a community or threatening a community. Mm-hmm. And I suspect that that's 
what's going to happen. But yeah. there's a lot. Think of where we live. Oh, I know. <laughs> think of where we live. Well, you wonder sometimes just, you know, how many times have you driven to Banff or off to mm-hmm. Jasper and you see the burn areas from fires from years ago mm-hmm. and you just think, man, that's going to take a decade to to replace. Or you mm-hmm. see the, the orange fire retardant that you can see where they attempted to contain the fire. I mean... It's quite a massive undertaking. I, I got to tell you, Jay, that was actually my favorite job of any job I've ever done was the summer of working for the Alberta mm. Forest Service and just seeing the magnitude, the destruction that oh, these yeah. fires can do and how fast they move and change direction. And man, and it's and it's tough, dirty work. And you oh, know yeah. because you were out there. And I remember when I was out with Global uh, as a reporter, and I think it was the Red Earth Fire um, when I was just reporting at Global and going up there and kind of they, taking you into where it is. And it was something else. Yeah. I mean, just it stinks. Oh, it's yeah. dry. It's wet. It's, it's horrible mucky. Work. It's, it takes several you know, showers to get that oh, off. Oh, my you, goodness. You. And it's funny. If you've ever dug clams, uh, and believe me, this has to do with forest fires. <laughs> uh, it, we used to do it as kids. You'd walk down the beach, and there'd be tiny little holes in the they sand. They spit at you. And they spit, right? So you know, okay, you need to dig right there, and you'll find a clam. And then you don't want to you want to dig around the clam. You don't want to break the shell, right? So they're, you have to get right to it as fast as possible because they dig themselves in. They vibrate somehow and dig themselves in. Fighting forest fires it oftentimes is exactly mm-hmm. like that. You have an area completely what you believe to be extinguished. Crews stay there, and particularly on Muskeg, yep. where, you know, you're basically in rubber boots because of the water, and yet there's a fire burning mm-hmm. beneath that, right? And you'll suddenly see puffs of smoke come up behind you, and you dig down and find mm-hmm. just this simmering ember, which will flare back up Absolutely. again under the right conditions. Well, how long did it take for them to eventually deem, declare, declare the, yes, the form of fire out, yep. right? Yep. It just it lasted for so long, went so far and so deep uh, into the bush there and deep down. You know, and the other thing I think that perhaps we, people don't realize is who fights forest fires. You mentioned the uh, armed forces, mm-hmm. right? And uh, uh, Kevin mentioned what their job would be, cleanup, which is a huge job. That's the kind of job that I'm talking about where you're going around extinguishing little fires. The initial attack crew, the crew that's actually dispatched to a fire when it's first spotted, is a crew of four or five people. That's it. So the fire is contained by four or five people. If they feel they can't contain it, then they call in a crew. Mm -hmm. And that's usually a crew of 20 to 25 people. After that, you call in multiple crews to try and work on this. But it is five guys in a helicopter that fly out to a site, and they do it based on towers um, reporting smoke. Mm -hmm. And they just triangulate what the towers are seeing, and you figure out, you don't even know exactly, well, I shouldn't say you don't know where you're going. You don't know what you're looking for. You know that the towers have told you there's smoke, but beyond that, you need to find the source and get it out. But it's five people who do it. Yeah, so when you hear over the next uh, couple of days um, that uh, military have been called out to be a part of Oplentis, mm. Oplentis is what this will be. It's a part of oh, taking cool. care of business yeah. here at home, and, and this one is, is the It's a critical job that they yeah. do, critical. Well, what was it, last year, two years ago in Manitoba, the same thing? It was mm-hmm. um, uh, PPCLI was out there doing, um, doing work out there, that's what happens, and, and yep. off they go. And you know, they're not just training down on Wainwright. No, exactly right. And like I say, like you said, it is such a dirty, time-consuming job. You literally have to walk every foot of it to make sure it's all extinguished. And you'll often find the crews, like that initial attack crew I talked about, yeah. they'll leave equipment behind. 
and and go on to the next fire and they'll pick up more equipment and that has to all be collected. It was uh, when you think you know summer jobs, right? That was a summer job, uh, obviously for you. And when yeah. when I loved it, like gr- went to high school in Sault Ste. Marie, and a lot of the guys that I went to high school with ended up tree planting. Another horribly <laughs> grueling job on your back. Just an awful <laughs> job. I guess it was fairly good money, but they yeah. were up, you know, pick a lake area and all that sort of stuff. But they came. I just absolutely hated it. Everybody but hates it. It was it was good at the time, I yeah. guess. Uh, for, well, you for work whatever long it is. hours, uh, multiple days. Pay you're for your stickier than university. yeah. It's it, yeah. A lot of students do it. A lot of uh, environmentalists yeah. uh, do it. Um, but it would be the perfect job for somebody who's a foot tall. So you don't have to bend over as much. <laughs> the bending over business. <laughs> oh, it's horrible. And those crews, and that's the other thing, too. When a fire would break out in an area where there was tree planting mm-hmm. or nearby, those crews would be told, you're no longer tree planters. So if they, they can just, what yeah. is it called, conscripting, they can just turn them into so firefighters. Doing it. I just, uh, this morning, and just a heads up in case anyone from Fort McMurray is listening, I don't want to, you know, trigger anybody here. But this morning, when I, when I looked out and saw the smoke and the haze, and everything, it reminded me of some of that first video that we saw from Fort McMurray mm-hmm. that afternoon. Do you remember that? Oh, it was in the afternoon it. into the evening. And so that was May, right? Yep. And just how dark it was from the smoke and everything. It was almost pitch black with this glow of red underneath of it. Um, but yeah, just immediately took me back to... I'll never forget that afternoon. <laughs> we oftentimes we, get we always, texts here. Yeah. Um, that will ask questions like, hey, what's going on on the White Mud at this place? Or what's going on here? Or does any, there's a police presence here. Yeah. Does anybody know what's going on? And oftentimes our newsroom tracks it down and, and sometimes it's not right. Nothing's really happening or yeah. whatever, or there's a simple explanation. But I'll never forget that afternoon as the first text came in saying, there's a fire in Fort McMurray. And then a few minutes later, somebody said, Fort McMurray is on fire. Yeah, that, that was it. Fort McMurray's on fire. Yeah. And responded back saying, what do you mean Fort McMurray's on fire? And they said, Fort McMurray is on fire. And then that became our show for, for months. For two weeks. Yeah. I was well, two s- weeks straight. We're two weeks straight of fire yeah. coverage here at 630 yeah. Chet. And then months of covering the story and the rebuild and uh, yeah. all of that, man. But the phone calls, the text that day, and then, then starting to see that video from that afternoon from that from that afternoon and it still it still amazes me that that and slave lake it could it well slave lake my gosh that too like you remember just how much worse it could have been yeah i mean i went out i mean it was bad don't you remember it was could have been so much worse you were downstairs back then um but the afternoon news went out to slave lake um for the recovery Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was quite something to see. Uh, just to drive into a town that you've been before, and you're sort of picturing yeah. what you remember from the last time you were here, and then to see all those properties destroyed and, and you know, just black marks where buildings so used to be. It's so completely random. Chris Sheets and I took a big rig out there of stuff that That's right, you, yeah. Chad, chorus listeners, donated here, and we, in through the town site, and, you know, there'd be a house absolutely fine and then next door it's just right very the selective stair- yeah. the stairs yeah just it's um 
Well, yeah. It's just mind-boggling. You know, uh, you mentioned something just a moment ago, and I thought, uh, why not have a little fun with this? I know we've got some lighter stories to take care of this afternoon as well, and some local stories, but you said that was a great summer job. I'd be curious from our listeners at 6.30, 6.30, what was the funnest summer job you had, or the summer job that had the greatest impact? Perhaps it caused you to choose the profession mm. you're in now, or maybe it stopped you from choosing the profession that you thought we were going into, or just the one where you had fun. Like, were you the fry guy at McDonald's? I mean, what was the funnest summer job? Because I still have very fond memories of a lot of summer jobs. Some, like I say, that forest fighting one, that's not a fond memory. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a memory. You know what I mean? Like, it's it impacted me. But there was lots of great jobs. Or picking up rocks on a farm. Rock picking? Oh, it's the worst. It's even worse than tree planting, I think. Yeah. Just walking along, some rocks picking up culverts. rocks. I need some rocks for my culvert. I'll talk to a farmer. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.